We are glad you found our little corner of the podcast universe. To our subscribers, guests, visitors, and those with a burning desire for an answer to the question, okay, now what? We welcome you to the From Learning to Earning podcast sponsored by OK Now What. This podcast covers topics of interest to anyone starting a business, but is especially focused on the unique concerns of teachers looking to make the move to entrepreneurship. My name is David Zahn, and while I may not have all the answers, I can at least help you answer, okay, now what? Hello, and welcome to this podcast. This podcast will deviate from the typical podcast format. I have two very special guests for this podcast. One who has influenced thousands of corporate professionals improve their sales performance and has now turned his attention to improving intimate relationships with loved ones, significant others, or spouses. While that may seem like a jarring change in focus and expertise, I think you'll find the connections between selling in an ethical way that are shared very nicely aligned with the skills and techniques needed to improve the relationships with those closest to us. Additionally, we'll be joined by his wife, Jennifer Lair, who is a marriage uh, therapist, and she'll be joining us for part two of this two-part series. So when you think about it, after all, the worst that can happen if you bungle a sales call is that you move on to the next prospect with the knowledge gained through your mistakes. However, bungling a relationship with a spouse, family member, or significant other has a far greater impact on us financially, emotionally, and in all other ways. Because there is so much to explore with these two guests, we'll likely go longer, and that's why we'll make this a part one and part two podcast. So I am honored to welcome to this podcast someone who has not only revolutionized selling behaviors, but is now on the path to do the same for helping romantic or other intimate relationships. Mike Bosworth is currently the chief marketing officer of Reconcile.com and formerly a leading sales trainer and author of truly groundbreaking and thought-provoking books, Solution Selling, Customer-Centric Selling, and What Great Salespeople Do. Mike, welcome to the podcast, and I am eager to learn from you about your views on selling, relationships, and the connections between them. All right. Well, David, you and I go way back when. What, what, what was it? Symbol Technology when we that first? That is correct. Uh, how many years ago was that? That would have been roughly 1998 or so. I, I, I actually believe that you had hair back then. In fact, I did, and I uh, remember we played wall ball or some variation. Yeah, 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 wally ball or something. Yeah, yes. yep. Well, so, you know, my, back back in those days, we were trying to teach gun salespeople, people who were, uh, what, what were those guns? They were, well, um, we, we didn't like to call them guns, they were scanners. Scanners, scanners, yes, yes. but a, num a number of them uh, had a hard time making the transition from a hardware sale to a solution sale. Absolutely right. Yes. But um, you probably weren't aware, but in, in, in 2008, David, 
I realized, much to my chagrin, that the old 80-20 rule hadn't gotten better, very, very much better over the past 40 years. And I finally came to the conclusion that the real difference between top-notch salespeople, the top 20% and the bottom 80% is their intuitive ability to emotionally connect and build trust. And so what we figured out how to do is teach the bottom 80% of the salespeople, the people who don't intuitively connect and build trust, how to connect and build trust using storytelling. And it's not just salespeople. If you look at all professions, senior executives, teachers, the very best teachers are storytellers. They know how to use story to educate, to inspire, to connect, and in, rather than making people memorize things and fill in bubble tests. And so storytelling also works with relationships too. And one of the key parts in Weekend Style yeah, are stories. And if you go into, there's over 200 topics in Weconcile. And for all, all those 200 plus topics, if you go into any of them, there's multiple ways you can learn. You can listen to audio. You can read nuggets. You can read stories about other couples. Or you can read lessons and exercises. But stories really help people realize that they're not the only ones having th those problems in those relationships. Stories kind of normalize the behavior and stories are a great um, teaching technique, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're in a relationship or whether you're just trying to teach your prospects and customers how they could solve problems better if they had whatever you're selling. So, so stories are a wonderful communication vehicle, no, almost no matter what kind of connecting you're trying to do. Yeah, but Mike, haven't we all been trained and taught that we have to remain logical and that as a salesperson, I should be very facile at memorizing and repeating back product data sheet level information and be able to talk about the speed, the effectiveness, efficiency, safety measures, all those kinds of things? Well, it's a good thing we had that converse, this conversation today, David, because I'm going to save you from that horrible strategy. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've been, I, I think you remember even back in old solution selling days, one of the basic principles is people make emotional decisions for logical reasons. And human beings decide to do what they want to do for emotional reasons. And then typically, especially if they're part of a uh, corporate decision process or whatever, once they emotionally decide what they want to do, then they have to come up with enough logic to convince their peers, their subordinates and superiors that they made a logical decision. So really both sides of the brain are necessary. Same thing with relationships too. We know what we wanna do, but there's always the logical part of our brain and the emotional part of our brain. And there's a, ba a, a battle between and 
boy, we can saw really brings out those differences as well. So um, in the selling world, there's three primary stories we teach salespeople. Stories about other customers they've helped, stories about why they joined the company or the organization they joined, and stories about their actual organization. If you're leaders, we've done a lot of uh, storytelling training for senior executives, and senior executives need to learn to build stories about what's our direction, what's our mission in the marketplace, you know, who, who are we trying to help out there? So stories are a pretty much a wonderful communication vehicle that almost anybody, regardless of how low their natural intuitive connecting skills are, storytelling is a skill that can be learned that can enhance pretty much all professions. Now, Mike, from having read your books, you, you spend time in the what great salespeople do discussing the different parts of the brain and evolution. Could you go into some detail about that? Because that's probably a new thought for many of my listeners. All right. Well, um, I've, uh, over the years, I've been you know, getting to know some anthropologists and most of the anthropologists I've spoken to over the past 10 years, they, they believe now that two-legged beings that speak orally have been on this earth for 200,000 years. And for the vast majority of that 200,000 years, there was no written language. And so everything we, we have as human beings over the past 200,000 years have learned about friends, enemies, cultures, spices, food, danger, medicine, etc., has been passed down from one generation to the next with oral st storytelling. You know, if you think about it, way back when, somebody had to learn, don't eat those red berries because your grandfather ate those red berries and he died. And so, you know, those red berries are dangerous. And so the, for that 200,000 years, only about 5,000 of those 200,000 years has there been written language. And so there's something actually, um, it's almost like instinct, but human beings love stories. And I mean, as a parent, we used to, I used to bribe my kids, you know, if you go get your jammies on and, 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 and get ready for bed, I'll read you a story. A story was a reward to the kids for, for behaving. And kids, I think human beings just have been raised that when they hear once upon a time, they've actually uh, put people in MRIs. And there's the left side of the brain, which is logical and language. And the right side of the brain is connection to all our senses and smells and tastes and emotions and music and in, in, in the softer side. And they've actually had people in MRIs when they, when they in, in introduce the anticipation of a story, which is some adult version of once upon a time, and they can watch the critical analytical uh, left side of the brain actually shuts down and the right side 
opens up. And when someone is anticipating a story, they actually go through some kind of logic like, oh, a story. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to make a decision. So I can just relax and enjoy it. Yet, it might be important information, so I had better pay attention. And you think about what better framework for a sales message than getting your potential customer to relax, enjoy the story, and focus on it because it could be important information. It's 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 perfect. So the um, the the framework of stories is a fantastic communication framework for human beings. For teachers, all professions. If you look at great politicians, they're good storytellers. Great senior executives are typically good storytellers. Certainly, great teachers are great story teachers. Great salespeople are, are are good storytellers. So it's it's just a skill that helps us in all aspects of our um, living on this earth with other human <clears throat> beings. Now, Mike, given that many of our listeners are tuned in because they're interested in potentially changing careers, you are currently one of the founding fathers of the latest thinking in sales, but your career didn't start that way. Could you tell us a story about how you started on one career path and then migrated into sales? Well, um Way back when, I, I had the good fortune uh, joining a division out of college, a division of Xerox, which was financed by Xerox. And in 1969, this division of Xerox invented cloud computing. I joined them in 1972. And uh, right out of college, I was on the help desk for a year. And then after help, the help desk, I got to go out in person as a software support person for all of our clients doing general ledger payables, receivables, order processing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, after a couple of years of taking care of customers, I loved my job. My management came to me and said, Mike, we want you to go into sales. And I, and I had two answers, no and hell no. One, was my violent alcoholic father was a salesman and I never ever wanted to be like him. But the other thing is, is I really had a hard time respecting the salespeople back then because they were making promises to our customers that our product would do things that it wouldn't do. And so I thought there was a, um, a problem with their morality, if you will. And so I actually said, no, I'm not that kind of a person. And my management finally came back to me and said, all right, we understand your reluctance. We want to take the take the risk away. So if you'll try sales for six months, at the end of six months, if you hate it, we'll give it to you in writing. You have your old job back and you can keep your techie salary. Well, there was no turning back. I, I It just happened to, it happened that my definition of selling was helping my customers solve problems using my product, which is a pretty good definition for anybody selling any product. If you can 
help your potential customer visualize that if they had your offering, they could make money, save money, achieve goals or solve problems. And if you could create that vision, you're going to have a pretty successful career selling whatever you want to sell, creating those visions. And so I ended up doing really well in sales at Xerox and ended up being their chief sales trainer. And then, as you know, I broke off in 1983 and started my own solution selling business where you were my client way back when. Yeah, absolutely. And while you're referring to it at that time as creating a vision, in essence, it was building the story of how they could achieve all that was their potential. Exactly. It was helping them see a future story of how they could make money, save money, achieve goals, or solve problems if they had certain knowledge, information, tools, etc. They didn't have that parentheses my product did. So, Mike, can anybody tell a story? Is it a skill I can learn if I don't have that natural born instinct? I think 80% of humanity can get pretty good at, at, at telling stories. If, if, you, if you are uh, autistic, Jennifer and I have been watching a, a, a new show lately. What is it called? Emily, Jennifer? Astrid. 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 I'm sorry. Astrid. On PBS. On PBS. And it's, a, it's about this, this uh, young lady who's, who's got... Um, she, she's she's autistic. autistic. Yeah. Now, certain autistic people way on the spectrum probably are not going to be great storytellers. But I think the vast majority of certainly the vast majority of human beings love stories because they go to movies, they read books, etc. Those are all story oriented. And I'd say probably 90% plus of human beings can learn how to build, tell, and tend stories. It's a learnable skill. If you are enjoying this podcast broadcast and wish to connect with David Zahn to pursue your own journey into entrepreneurship, you can schedule a no-cost and no-obligation 20-minute chat-and-chew-with-you discussion at www dot okay now what dot biz and that's spelled o-k-a-y-n-o-w-w-h-a-t dot biz slash get dash started dot h-t-m-l and now back to our podcast now, you mentioned this earlier in our conversation but if you could just review how many stories do I need to have sort of in my satchel in, in order to be successful? Well, if you're in sales, and, and I would I, I would I use the analogy of a quiver where you've got arrows. And uh, uh, there's three primary types of selling stories. One of them is your own personal story of why you do what you do. <clears throat> One of them is the story of the organization you decided to join up with. And you have one each of those two stories. But the next category, which we call who I've helped stories or customer hero stories, you could have dozens of customer success stories. And 
if you're in sales and you're trying to find new prospects, one of the best ways, particularly if you're selling to the enterprise, which you and I both did for many, many years, um, when you're selling to the enterprise, you're relying on pure curiosity to get people interested. Remember when we used to talk about latent pain versus pain? And, you know, when you've got a, a better mousetrap that you're selling, it could be a whole bunch of people out there who are not looking for what you're selling because they don't know that you've got a better way, that you've invented a better way. So if you believe as a seller that people out there ought to be looking at whatever you sell and they're not, the two primary reasons they are not looking for what you sell are ignorance or rationalization. They are unaware that you've invented a better way or they tried to solve that problem one once unsuccessfully and they're a burn victim. So they tried to solve that shortage problem once and they failed and they're not gonna make the same mistake twice. They're a burn victim. So the best way well, for instance, if you and I were on an airplane together and we were just shooting the shit and then I said, so David, what do you do? How would you answer me? I would answer you, I help people achieve their maximum sales potential. Gee, could I share a story with you about another guy I know who also helps his customers achieve maximum sales potential? What would you say? Certainly, have at it. Why? Because you're curious about somebody's right. doing the same thing you're doing. That pure curiosity is the way you get people who are not looking to at least take a look. Right. And the and what we're leveraging is that is that um, curiosity people in the corporate world have about their peers. If you're a CFO, you want to know what other CFOs are doing. If you're a vice president of marketing, you want to find out what other vice presidents of marketing are done. Pure curiosity. So you cannot walk up to a stranger and all of a sudden just start telling a, even a 60 second story because nobody's going to listen. They have no reason to listen. The hook is Oh, you help people achieve their maximum sales potential. Could I share a story with you about somebody else I know who does that as well? You say yes. So in 10 seconds, I say, are you curious about one of your peers? Now you've granted me 60 seconds of story time. And at the end of that 60 seconds of story time, my story should have a setting, it should have a struggle, it should have a insight, and it should have a resolution. And if I can tell you that story at the end of, of about one of your peers at the end of 60 seconds, but I say, David, that's enough about me. What's going on with you? If you like my story and I pass the torch to you, you're going to open up and start talking freely. Absolutely. So we've overcome the natural discovery resistance that 99% of human beings have when they're confronted by a salesperson. 
everyone hates to be approached by a salesperson because we're all born victims. We have all come away from encounters with salespeople where we felt pushed, manipulated, pressured into doing something that we weren't ready to do. And so that inherent distrust of salespeople, we call it discovery resistance. And the number one purpose of your first customer hero story is to break down the discovery resistance. So 60 seconds later, you can say, but that's enough about my story. What's going on with you? And see if they're ready to open up and give you a shot, if you will. Absolutely. And the, given that so many professionals are competitive, they want to know what someone else is doing to achieve yeah. success and can yeah. they improve upon it? Yes. Yeah. Look, look at how, look at all these corporations and the amount of hours they spend on competitive analysis, right? Doing columns of all their different competitors. Even Jennifer in her pitch deck for We Can Sell, she's got to put here's We Can Sell and here's Lasting and here's Relish. You know, everybody's doing competitive analysis. Absolutely. Mike, I have one more question for this portion of our po podcast, and that is you've been speaking about sales and storytelling. Is it different if we're talking to a marketeer, someone in marketing, in, in terms of how they use story? The only real difference I think between sales and marketing is sales is typically one-on-one -on -one and marketing is one-to-many. If you think about it, both sales and marketing are trying to find buyers for whatever you sell. Only marketing's doing campaigns for, you know, where sales is typically one-on-one, -on -one. but it's still trying to start off with curiosity and initiate a buy cycle. But I will tell you one thing that I remember from years and years ago, back when I was still at Xerox for during my 10 years there, somebody brought in something, some study about marriages, and they were showing which professions really had lousy marriages and which mar which professions had good marriages, statistically speaking. Well, which ones had the lousy marriages? Those are easy. Cops, lawyers, doctors, engineers, right? Typically, statistically, used to have shitty marriages. Well, you know what profession had one of the lowest divorce rates? Salespeople, because the salespeople somehow were able to keep their spouses feeling sold. I don't know. <laughs> That's an excellent point, and it's going to lead directly into our part two of this yeah. podcast. So I really appreciate you giving me that giving me that uh, entree. Mike, this has been a fabulously insightful discussion. Very much appreciated. And we'll be talking again in part two of this podcast. All right. You have been listening to From Learning to Earning, hosted by David Zahn, the teacher's business mentor. If you have not already done so, please register to join the Facebook group Business Launch, From Fear to Fabulous, where you can find additional information and participate in a community of like-minded people venturing into business ownership. And 
If you are ready to receive one-on-one -on -one coaching or enroll in a self-paced course to make your dream business a reality, you can contact David Zahn at www.oknowwhat.biz backslash get-started.html. And as always, we want to hear from you about topics you would like to have covered or your feedback on this or other episodes. Drop us an email with your thoughts at davidzahn, D-A-V-I-D-Z-A-H-N, at oknowwhat.biz. And don't forget to invite your friends to listen to this any of our other episodes and join our podcast community.